0: our show, Sleepover Sleepover Cinema. Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early
1: 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them.
0: We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question.
1: Are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2001's The Princess Diaries. There she is right
2: there! That's Mia Thermopolis! Glamour, romance, fame. Mia Thermopolis had it all, but only in her dreams. As always, this is as good as it's gonna get. Her real life was completely ordinary. You're way tense.
0: This movie is one of the heavy hitters of our
1: uh, canon here. Set, I think.
0: I know you're excited to watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just like the opening music, it just like calms my soul. Actually, all of the orchestral music, (laughs) the composed music in this movie is so good. The score. Yeah, the score, right? That's the word I was looking for. The composed music. Um, It's so nostalgic. And then you got the actual soundtrack, which is even better. That is amazing. But we'll get
0: into all of that. Yeah, This was one when I saw it on our list of movies we're covering. I was like, ah, yes, this will be a good movie watching experience for sure. Yeah. So let's start with the facts. This movie premiered on August 3rd, 2001, like right before 9-11, which I feel like maybe in teen movies didn't end up making that big of a difference in like the vibe of how things were, but... Obviously, in America, like, we've never been the same since then. Not to be like, (laughs) we've never been the same, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a major event in the country's history and in media, for sure. We had just moved to Boston when this movie came out, and we saw it in theaters with Mom. Yeah, we were really little though. Yeah,
1: I don't. I can't believe I saw that in theaters. Yeah. That's very iconic of me. Yes, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and I remember
0: <laughs> that day, kind of. Um, this movie was directed by Gary Marshall, who is known for Rest oh, in Peace. Uh, yeah, may he rest in peace. He died in 2016, which is really sad because he seems to have been a very, very nice person. I know he died in 2016. Really? I really, it was I that it long today. ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Audrey had a look on her face like. Does she have her facts straight? <laughs> I was but like, I do. I swear
1: that was like two days ago. <laughs> no, it was a long time wow. ago. Wow. But the movies he's
0: most famous for are Never Been Kissed, A League of Their Own, Pretty Woman, and Beaches. One of the things about uh, this director that I kind of got a sense of from doing some research for this was that he was really, really kind to Anne Hathaway. Like, it seemed like he really cared about making this movie a good experience for her. Like, production wise and also just like as her debut cuz this was her first uh movie I think ever. That's what it said when I was looking. This was her That's crazy. I know.
1: Isn't that crazy? Is that true? I, maybe she had some small things before but This was like her first
0: real her part. Her debut, yeah. Yeah. But before we get into all that stuff about Anne Hathaway, this movie was based on the series of novels by Meg Cabot, who turns out also wrote Ice Princess, which I find to be really funny. Which didn't even know that was a book. Me neither. But I guess it was. Yeah. Um. And then the screenplay was written by Gina Wendkos, who also wrote Coyote Ugly and The Perfect Man. The Perfect
1: Man. Keeps coming he keeps up. Keeps
0: coming up. Keeps coming up. But Coyote Ugly?
1: I don't know that,
0: that like a Western?
1: Probably. Sounds like it.
0: I'm totally just guessing that it's a Western. I have no it could, be idea. A, it could be a tween movie yeah, for all it I know. could be, but I hope it's like, not. like, this coyote's not ugly anymore. <laughs> Or whatever. (laughs) Like this teen girl who, like, is compared to a coyote all the time. An ugly coyote. (laughs) In case you haven't seen Coyote Ugly, now you know what it's about. That's what it is. Uh, And this movie was co-produced by Whitney Houston because, as we already know and as we will continue to see, that woman knew a good idea and production of a movie when she saw it.
1: Yeah, she proved that time and time again. She really
0: did. We should get a list of all the movies that she helps produce. Yeah, we should. I feel like it would be a bunch of... Prolific. ...bangers. This movie earned a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes critic score. It was on Roger Ebert's most hated movies list, but it got
1: a 68% audience score, which is, like, okay. Pretty good. What's his name again? Roger Ebert? Mm Mm-hmm. Roger Ebert is on my most hated list. (laughs) (laughs) He was like really famous. You could take that to the bank. Yeah, he is. He is really famous. And another guy, right? Yeah. I don't know who. (laughs) We're
0: sounding so stupid. We're like Coyote Ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Roger Ebert, what's the movie? Whatever. I don't care. I don't really care either. If, Um, if,
1: If it was like, you know, Some Oscar Beatty movie, maybe I would take his opinions a little more seriously. However, this is the Princess Diaries. It's not for you. (laughs) Yes. So back off. Yeah,
0: I think that he probably, I mean, I'll have to check why he didn't like it, but I'm guessing it's because it's just very sweet. It's a very sweet movie. Yeah, like
1: let it be sweet. We're going to get, we're guessing that's what. (laughs) Sure.
0: We're just putting words in his mouth. I mean, yeah. We'll check. We'll check and then report back. In my opinion, this is like God tier of a genre. Yes, I agree. The plot synopsis of this movie is as follows. Mia Thermopolis, well, first of all, it's kind of badly written, but whatever. Mia Thermopolis has just found out that she is the heir to the throne of the fictional country Genovia. With her friends Lily and Michael Moskowitz in tow, she tries to navigate through the rest of her 16th year. They
1: didn't even mention her
0: grandmother, the queen, in this. Yeah, really what it should be is, like, Mia Thermopolis has just found out that she is the heir to the throne of Genovia, with her friends Lily and Michael in tow. <laughs>
1: <they're> zany grandma. <laughs> yeah. Or
0: like, no, no, no. Da 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 throne of Genobia. Under the watchful eye of her grandmother, Queen Clarice, Mia learns what it means to be a true leader alongside her friends Lily and Michael. Yeah. Or something like that. Basically.
1: Yeah, that's an improvement. But <sighs> what's the tagline, Audrey? Oh my God. (laughs) The tagline is she rocks, she rules, she reigns. That's so stupid. She doesn't,
0: that makes it sound like she's like a rock star who finds out who's like a princess. (laughs) Yeah, she's not.
1: She's just a person. She like is sort of edgy, but she's more nerdy, I would say. She's not edgy. She's not edgy. Um, Okay. She just lives in a loft. That's the most edgy thing about her. She lives in a renovated firehouse. That's what we have. And rides a scooter.
0: I think that you should read the cast.
1: Okay. So the cast is Dame Julie Andrews (laughs) as Queen Clarice. And if you know anything about me, period, you know that I stan Julie Andrews. And it's not just me saying stan like Like for the fun of it. No, like it this is from day one. It's my favorite movie is The Sound of Music. Like, we watched it, The Sound of Music growing up just as much as we watched, like,
0: The Little Mermaid or literally anything else. Yeah.
1: Like, it's real, so don't test me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anne Hathaway in her theatrical debut as Mia. I don't even, like, do we need to comment on her? <laughs> no, I mean, she's okay. Anne Hathaway. I mean, like, I, have, I just have nothing. Yeah, like, what I have nothing but kind words. yes.
0: We have Hector Elizondo as Joe, Heather Matarazzo as Lily, lesbian icon, Manny yeah. Moore as Lana. And there are many other noteworthy people in this production, but um, it, I would be remiss to not mention Sandra O oh as Vice Principal Gupta. Oh,
1: yeah. She's like, she's uh-huh. so funny uh-huh. in this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gupta, like, yeah. that's, that's all she
0: says. But it's really good. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. She's like, anything you need, Queen. Like, the <laughs> Queen is
0: here. It's so good. She's very good. But one thing that I wanted to mention is that apparently – I don't know why it was like this, but – okay, this is also IMDb fun facts, so this is, like, as credible as, like, <laughs> bathroom stall graffiti. Yeah. But <laughs> My apparent, own
1: diary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: apparently, <laughs> allegedly, and you, everyone out there can fact check this. All these people were offered the role of Mia. Christina Applegate, Cameron Diaz, Alyssa Milano, Kate Beckinsdale, Eva Mendez, Drew Barrymore, Reese Witherspoon, Alicia Silverstone – Sarah Michelle Gellar, Brittany Murphy, Katie Holmes, Jennifer Love Hewitt. It goes on and on and on. Claire Danes,
1: Kate Hudson, Christina Ritchie, Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel, and Kirsten Dunst. Why would they all? And apparently Juliette Lewis was originally supposed to play it, and then when she
0: left, they tried all those other people. But to me, it's like you really offered that many people that role, and they said no in a Disney movie? I'm wondering if Julie Julie Andrews hadn't been, like, secured yet.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Looking at this list of names, I'm like, thank God it wasn't any of them.
0: Yeah, the fact that Brittany Murphy was an option made me think, though.
1: Brittany, the only ones that made me think are Brittany Murphy. Um, I could see Drew Barrymore.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And yeah, yeah, the rest of them, I don't know. I'm like, no, it would just be different. It would be yeah. pretty different.
0: So, summer of 2001 is when this movie came out, and there was a lot going on in pop culture in 2001 that... I think that 2001 was so core childhood for us. Like, 2004 is also pretty good, but this stuff is, like, deep, deep, like, our introduction to culture. So these are some of the highlights from 2001. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out. That's massive. Shrek happened. (laughs) Monsters, Inc. The whole Britney and Justin double denim look. Uh, Lady Marmalade... Marmalade, I never know how to say it. (laughs) And Moulin Rouge came out. The first ever iPod was released. Bratz were a really big deal. Lizzie McGuire just started. Sex and the City won its first Emmy, I'm pretty sure, in 2001. Alicia Keys, Fallen, that was like Mm -hmm. a big song then. It was very, very like, I mean, to me, all of this stuff is so intrinsic to our growing up. It's weird to think of like, The fact that Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, like, came out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like, it didn't, like, movies back then, like, when I was little watching movies, I just didn't even think of them as, like, something that needed to be made and prepared to be released. It was just, like, this thing that existed. Yes. So... Since
0: this was so ingrained in our childhood, Audrey, what are some things you remember that are associated
1: with this movie? What I wrote down is, like, not helpful at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You should read what you wrote. I just wrote absolutely life-changing, show-stopping, never been done before. And then Julie Andrews is my life, so that's that on that. (laughs) And I can recite most of it. It's like when something is just so close to your soul, it's like hard to even see it as, like as a art or objectively. I remember watching
0: this movie when I was in first grade, not knowing anything. This being one of the first like cool teen movies that I got to watch and thinking that um, Mia pre-makeover and post-makeover were two entirely different actresses. <laughs> like, I really thought that for a long time.
1: <laughs> I just don't get how, but. They I guess so when, when you're little, like, yeah, when it's you're just... I mean, everybody thought Lindsay Lohan had a twin from Parent Trap. Yeah, people bought that. So, like... <laughs> you could buy that.
0: They did a really good job with that. Yeah. Apparently, um, with the eyebrows, it would take, like, hours for her to get into costume because they would individually glue each
1: yeah. little hair to yeah, her they, eyebrows. The eyebrows did a lot they for the transformation. It's true.
0: And she had a big clip-in hair piece for the volume.
1: Mm-hmm. But it really is, like... For girls with curly or textured hair, it's a put down moment.
0: <laughs> well, when it gets like totally cut down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because her hair could look good if she didn't brush it. Right. Yeah, the curly, right. hair, the curly, yeah, hair the curly theoretically Like there's no good.
1: reason why she couldn't be a put together princess with the textured hair. Like I don't know how curly it would really be. But yeah, she's just, why are you brushing it? Like <laughs> yeah. for
0: what? I feel like if you did that with your, like you could get it me would, a hair if you wanted.
1: Yeah, my hair would absolutely look like that if I yeah. brushed it.
0: Her mom Someone just needs, needs to
1: help to just let her. her no. Someone <laughs> needs to help her with her hair. Yeah. This movie is
0: so integral to our childhood in so many ways, but when I think about this movie, I think of the year that we lived in Boston a lot. So our dad went to graduate school in 2001, so my first grade year and Audrey's second year of preschool were in Boston, and I feel like because we were new, we didn't have we were new and because we didn't have, like, our ragtag, like, neighborhood group the way that we used to. We, like, did a lot more, like, coloring and, like, playing with each other. Mm-hmm. And, like, we had friends. But I feel like the Princess Diary soundtrack played a really big role in that. Like, the little boombox that we sh- had yeah. in the room that we shared. It would be, like, the hot rotation of, like, the Shrek soundtrack <laughs> and the Princess Diaries soundtrack. And we had the posters Oh, and 18s. So let's not forget. Yeah, but we had this poster on the wall of Princess Mia mm-hmm. that came from inside the CD packet, and I just remember this movie being a really big deal because it was like a cool teen movie, sort of. But at the same time, like I was going to birthday parties that were <laughs> make that were like uh, Princess Diaries makeover themed. So I remember it just being like the best thing ever because it was kind of mature.
1: Yeah, it felt a little – and it's funny because that feeling, like, still stays with me now. Like, I'm way too – like, technically, I'm, like, way too old for this movie, but it still feels like, ooh, Princess Diaries. Like, what a nuanced choice. Like, (laughs) Yes. Mature.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Do you have (laughs) any memories about understanding that the Queen was Maria from The Sound of Music in this movie?
1: No, I don't know. I don't know how what I thought about that or if I knew it when I was 4 mm-hmm. because I was watching Sound of Music as a 4-year-old definitely thinking that like it Julie Andrews existed kind of looking like that, mm-hmm. I, I would think. And then it would have to have dawned on me, like, later. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I got it. But She really, her vibe is so similar. It's the same. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And, like, I saw her in real life a few months ago. Oh, yeah. And it was just, I was, I went by myself, and I was just, like, crying. Really, in the audience by my well, obviously it was completely crowded, <laughs> but it was completely it was just me and her. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was it was like Marina Abramovic yeah. like performance art.
0: You across from Julie I mean, Andrews. There were all
1: these like I had never been in a room with like other Julie Andrews stands like that, so it was really unreal and yeah. like I felt my community. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> when you tweeted that
0: thing, uh, I want you to tell the joke about not me reading about Dave Julia Andrews getting knocked over. Oh, yeah.
1: This is like a quick aside. (laughs) But if you know anything about, like, the behind the scenes of The Sound of Music, which I don't know. I feel like a lot of people actually do know about. But um, Julia Andrews has talked about the opening scene, like, The Sound of Music where she's on the top of the hill and Mm -hmm. there's a huge like (laughs) swooping shot of her turning on the hill. She's had to talk about that. I'm sure like thousands upon thousands of times and uh, even though I've heard it so many times her talking about how the hell the downdraft from the helicopter just like (laughs) flattened her to the ground but she got back up and went back to one and whatever um I've heard her talk about it so many times but every time I come across it I like can't deny it like I I gotta re-experience it again (laughs) like I just know
0: way too much. It's so funny because I think I've maybe read like half the amount of Julie Andrews like content as you have also heard that like a bunch of
2: times
0: (laughs) oh man also this movie makes me want a corn dog every time I watch it because they eat corn dogs on the boardwalk and or the pier or whatever (laughs) wherever they are San Francisco San Francisco but it feels like Coney Island at that part Also, I think about the creepy hand that she wipes down on, like, the arm wrestling machine thing. How appropriate for this day and age. Truly so appropriate. She was on to something. She was on
1: to something. Queen
0: Clarice was on to something. Yeah. (laughs) Also, another part of why this movie... I think, takes up so much brain space for me and Audrey is that we had the audiobooks of the first three novels on our iPods or whatever (laughs) because they were narrated by Anne Hathaway. And uh, one thing that I think is really interesting and that I know we've talked about before is, like, there's a lot of really big differences between the books and the movie. Primarily, the movie's in San Francisco. The books are in New York. Queen Clarice is, like, the worst character ever. Or she's not the worst character, but she's, like, highly unpleasant in the books. Yeah.
1: She's multidimensional yeah. in the books. She's not She's not, multi-dimensional, not really multidimensional.
0: But she is. The only dimension she has in the movie is, like, how uncouth yeah. is that? And then there's, like, I'm going to lie to get out of trouble with the trolley. Yeah, and she's then, just
1: so endearing
0: like, that you just. It's Julie Andrews. Yeah. Like she just deserves the respect. Yeah. One of my favorite factoids in researching this was that in the end scene, Julie Andrews was wearing five hundred thousand dollars worth of Harry Winston jewelry (laughs) on loan, and Anne Hathaway (laughs) was wearing (laughs) cubic
1: zirconia. She was like, "I bet." She was like, "You know what? Makes sense." Yeah. (laughs) She was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Mm, "Yeah, I I am in my place." Yeah. Like for Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Truly. Um. Um, But also. I was just gonna quickly add the reason that we had the audio books um, on our iPods was that I was getting four teeth <laughs> pulled. Wait, is this why? I don't know this. Yeah, I was getting four teeth pulled, and um, I needed something to listen to, I guess, while they cause during the operation.
0: Operation.
1: Yeah, because they didn't put me under or anything. I was just chilling, and it's not an operation. Getting four teeth pulled is kind of an operation. I have (laughs) to say, and they weren't like baby teeth. These are like back molars. Like your wisdom teeth? No. Okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's why I only have one wisdom tooth. I have two. Congrats. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, back
0: to the book. So (laughs) set in San Francisco, Queen Clarice, whatever. Uh, There's another best friend character in the books named Tina Hakeem Baba, who's the daughter of a sheik, Um, which I feel like some of that probably aged badly, but I don't know well enough if it did. Um, But basically, like, this character Jeremiah in the movie kind of replaces Tina in the fact that Tina gets bullied by the mean girls in the book, but in the movie it's Jeremiah
1: and Mia, obviously. Um, But yeah – I'm not and wasn't offended by the changes mm-hmm. between the two um, because they just feel like two separate things. Yeah, they feel like two
0: different things, and kind of like what we were saying earlier, it almost feels like the books would have made for a better TV series or something that like needs more plot points. Oh, I also forgot to say that her dad is alive in the books. Yeah, um, and he has cancer, and so I guess Disney like didn't want to deal with that, yeah, so they were just like, "Just come off." <laughs> Except, you know what's crazy? I didn't know this. The dad in the movie, who, like, the picture, and then, like, when he's, like, writing the letter. Yeah.
1: That's her real dad. Oh. Isn't that cute? Yeah.
0: That's another example of how I feel like Gary Marshall tried really hard to make it, like, a really welcoming yeah. experience for and, her. There's so many other cute facts I found, too. Like, apparently, when they were going through the casting tapes for the princess, Gary Marshall's granddaughters were like, she has good hair. You should go with her. Like, there's Aww. all these really wholesome, <laughs> like, nuggets of information. Yeah. Like everyone knows that when Mia slips on the bleachers, that it's real. Yeah,
1: everybody. I think everybody it's knows just, that. Yeah, it's just such a heartwarming movie. Yeah, and,
0: and we're ready to we're get, ready get into, ready into it. To watch it. We're very ready to get oh, into you it. You are too. We're gonna eat our dinner and watch this movie. Either log into Disney Plus, find a weird link. <laughs> I don't care. But you should watch it, and we will meet back here promptly to discuss.
1: Right, guys.
0: Welcome back. We hope you watched Princess Diaries. We
1: watched it. And let me tell you, there's not a whole lot that we can say in the negative um, because it's kind of a perfect movie. Uh, there are
0: some things that are like plot wise a little stupid, but the problem yeah. is that the movie is so enjoyable overall that you just, like, don't really care.
1: Yeah. We weren't writing stuff down. Like, Like, like,
0: we had laptops, and we just, like, didn't have anything to say. I think it relaxed both of us so much. We were just, like, time to be kind of dumb while
1: watching this. Yeah, like, normally we're, like, normally, (laughs) normally we're, like. (laughs) Like, heavily keeping
0: notes. But this time was harder.
1: Yeah. It was harder.
0: I think especially because the first half of the movie is, like, pretty much, like, perfect. And, like, there's little things like, why does Mia get so upset so quickly when Clarice tells her that she's a princess? Like, yeah. that kind of doesn't make sense. Um, We have a couple notes here, yes. but honestly, this movie, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that this movie is, like, platinum goodness. God-tier yeah.
1: platinum. Yeah. Going to be, I think at the end of all these podcasts, we're going to try to do a ranking. I mean, this one's going to come in top five for sure, right? Don't you think? I think so, but honestly, I I was
0: a little bored. Really?
1: I was a little bored
0: watching it right now.
1: Yeah, but also, like, we're just not deprived of the content. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that a big part of watching Princess Diaries or a movie like this is if you're, like,
0: in an uncomfortable space or if you're, like, far from home. Yeah, it's or comfort
1: if, food. If It's a movie that's, yeah, like— Yeah. Or, like,
0: comfort. if you're feeling the need to, like, get in with your nostalgic side. Yeah. Um, but I think that especially—
1: lately we've been very in touch with that I've never been more in touch with my childhood nostalgic side and I always am I'm a very nostalgic person but like since we're in quarantine I feel like everybody's kind of resorting to their childhood comforts. Yes.
0: So Audrey, will you do us the honor of just reading off the notes that we do have? Yeah.
1: We'll discuss. So, um we thought it was kind of funny that when Mia is kind of trying to like defend herself to her gym teacher she's like I'm a rock climbing horseback riding type of girl I'm not like an athletic girl (laughs) and we thought that was funny because she called herself a horse girl yeah she kind of does have that vibe though she does and at least she's self-aware enough to know that (laughs)
0: like I'm definitely a horse girl yeah um, that was a quick one. There's not much to say there. That um, was basically us just being like, she thought herself girl. a horse girl. Like that was all it was.
1: I so I feel like Mia's character wouldn't have a crush on Josh. I agree. Um I, I he's just so clearly dumb. Atrocious.
0: Yeah. He's not cute. No. He has nothing to offer. The, anyone he except date- for the
1: fact that he has yachting magazine in his locker. <laughs> yeah, the production design really went off with a yachting <laughs> in Truly. His locker. Truly. And
0: I think that part of what is especially confusing about the fact that she likes Josh or at least, like, goes on the date with Josh, I think that it's weird because it seems like she doesn't really care about social capital that much. Like, she cares about not getting bullied, but, like, the only reason why anyone would want to be with Josh is, like, because they want to be, like, Yeah, they want a social climber. And, like, she's not a social climber.
1: No, and Lily would never
0: have that. (laughs) What, her being a social climber? Yeah, Yeah, that's really true. (laughs) Um, And I just found it confusing that she cared that much. I think maybe she was like, oh, he's, like, the perfect boy. Like, every girl thinks he's cute, so I should think he's cute, too. And the fact that he's picking me is like, wow, like, even if he is a douche, like, I am the chosen one, you know? That's basically
1: what it is. But
0: still. But you just expect more. Even when he and Lana are even when he and Lana, excuse me, are making out in the beginning, she's like looking at him like lustfully.
1: Yeah, but like, when do you, when do you do that in real life? Like, never. I, I, I don't never think watch that's other people thing. in high
0: school making out. You like literally like invest in a hazmat suit and like yeah hide.
1: Like, I would rather
0: perish. I feel like <laughs> I never saw people
1: make out in high school. Mm, like, not at school. No, definitely not. Almost at school. like not ever. Yeah.
0: I had like such an asexual high school experience. Same. It's because we were with the gays. (laughs) Yeah. Literally 100%. We all
1: did. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like for the most part. (laughs) Not all of us, but (laughs) the ones who did not have an asexual experience did it in very, very, very closed.
1: Yeah. Behind very
0: closed doors. Right. So
1: So now that we've exposed everybody in our high school,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's literally true.
1: Wait on me. Wait, wait. (laughs) I'm sure they're all listening and they're like, they're right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 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 oh, so, (laughs) yeah, and then, like, Michael's just blatantly cuter than Josh, and they're flirting through, like, the whole first 30 minutes. Right. There's,
0: like, this weirdness going on where, like, for the first half of the movie, it really seems like Michael and Mia are dating, or, like, in the really early stages of dating. And then she just acts as if that wasn't happening and is like, I'm going to the – I almost said like last splash, but
1: what's it called? Like the beach, like the beach bake-off <laughs> bake off
0: or something. The the the, um, a <laughs> the baker beach, the <laughs> baker beach blowout. I don't know. <laughs> what is what is our
1: school called again? Grove. Yeah, Grove High School. <laughs> but it's like Baker something.
0: Whatever, it doesn't yeah. matter. But <laughs> she's like, I'm going to this beach party with Josh, and he's like, What the fuck? Like I would be annoyed too. I'd be like. Uh no
1: you're not like we're
0: dating. <laughs> I feel like part of that may might be because of scenes that were cut out. Maybe. Yeah, very like, possible. There was like a decent amount of stuff cut out.
1: What? <laughs> how do you know?
0: <laughs> oh, how do I know that? Yeah, because I was looking it up today, and there's like over 15 minutes of deleted scenes.
1: Yeah, which is like actually you're like n- actually not a lot for a in the feature biz. movie.
0: Yeah. There was a whole puppet thing. (laughs) What? Yeah, so originally there was this scene where it's like a voiceover and Lily's like, to Mia being like, I don't understand. Like, you're like a puppet to your grandma. And it's like a literal, like, high on the hill was a lonely goat herd puppet of pre-makeover Mia. Like, doing all this stuff and there's like a Julie. Lily did
1: this? Huh? Lily's doing this? No, no, no. Oh. There
0: is a puppet in non Canon space, oh, oh, That's and then weird. it's like black backdrop puppet Lily talking. It's like it's like a Lily and Queen Clarice voiceover.
1: Oh wow!
0: The puppet's are really cool though. I'll have to show it to you after.
1: Yeah, yeah. The I could see that fitting in actually because there are some like fantasy moments. Yeah, like
0: with the the foot sh- the pop, foot pop and, and stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like
0: I totally lost my point.
1: Yeah, we were just talking about how. They're flirting for, like, the whole beginning. and Yeah, I would be annoyed, too, if I was Michael. Yeah. We stand with
0: Michael. We do. <laughs> Even though it looks like he has a unibrow the whole time because of his bangs. But he works it. Except at the end. You
1: know? He works it.
0: But the other guy, Josh, like, 20% away from having a unibrow. And he does not have bangs. So <laughs> No, but he does. He's really gross. Yeah,
1: I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't think I ever thought he was cute. I don't think so, either. <laughs> like, we're meant to think that he's Like a heartthrob? I don't know. Weird. Anyway. Um, So in the makeover sequence, they straighten. In the makeover challenge, (laughs) I'm going for like... Just kidding. I hope you get that reference,
0: whoever you are. I'm assuming that you've watched any sort of uh, reality competition show. Yeah. You've probably seen it. Uh,
1: In the makeover sequence, they straightened Mia's hair... I guess we're meant to assume it's sort of a keratin treatment <laughs> because her hair texture is so pin straight for the rest of the movie. And it's like the type of straight that you can't achieve if you have naturally curly or textured mm-hmm. hair. So him and I are just kind of like, are we just meant to believe that they <laughs> changed her
0: hair texture? Yeah, because it goes from being like, it literally goes from like Audrey's hair to my hair, basically. Like yeah. my hair's super thin, super straight, and Audrey's hair is like very thick, very curly. Yeah. And that's what it does and they it couldn't be further
1: apart. Yeah. And it's, like, for the rest of the movie, it's just so clearly oh, her right, hair.
0: right, right, right. And then, like, there's a scene where she's in the rain, and then she comes in from <laughs> the rain. And, like, if there's one thing that will ruin your straightened hair, it's water. It's,
1: yeah. And uh, she
0: comes in and gives this whole speech with, like, wet, straight hair. Yeah. And we're I'm just, like, like,
1: that is not. Like, even, I guess it's the keratin treatment. There's no other, like. How does that even work? I don't know. That stuff scares me. But I know people who have gotten it and I know and, people who, who have like, really curly hair. But does their hair ever recover from it? It never goes back 100%, but it does. Um, it does go back. Have, did you, you ever think about getting that? Nope. I'm glad. Why would I want that? I don't
0: know. Maybe like in high school you might have thought about it or something. Cuz no. you used to straighten your hair.
1: Yeah, but I just thought it was like fun. I didn't Cuz the truth is like what the tr- you want to know the real truth. <laughs> <laughs> when I straighten my hair, I don't feel like myself. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, that, like, it's like, ooh, I'm going to straighten my hair. It's going to, like, feel nice or whatever. And then once I have it, I'm like, mm, I don't like this. I think
0: it looks better when you really do up the curliness. Like, the bigger you can get your hair, kind of the better, in yeah. my opinion. Bigger but not frizzy.
1: Right. Glad we
0: anyway. <laughs> uh, You know what, though? I think it's okay that we're showing some, like, actual personality. Because normally we're very much sick to the movie. Yeah, because so. there's
1: usually so much... To fit in, there's so much, so many flaws to discuss. Yeah, or like so many like (laughs)
0: takes we've never realized until now. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (sighs) we were talking about how Paulo is like an underappreciated or under maybe recognized character. Literally, like the whole plot is like contingent
0: upon Paulo fucking up. Because yeah, because the whole at the beginning, Queen Clarice is like, I'm not gonna tell anyone about you until the Independence Day ball, which is literally. Like the last thing in the movie that happens. But Paulo, the makeover guy, (laughs) tells the press, and then like the entire thing happens because of that. And I just think it's funny that like the entire plot hinges upon Paulo
1: because he's such a tertiary character. Yeah, he like hardly matters, but he makes the whole thing happen. Yes. Also, because he gives her the makeover, too. He literally makes the movie happen. (laughs) It's true. Paolo is the protagonist of (laughs) the movie. There is
0: no antagonist in this movie.
1: No. I think the, I think it's kind of Lily-ish, but it's not actually. It's kind
0: of Lily. I actually have a take on who the antagonist is, but I'll save that for the end because it'll be my deep take. Okay.
1: So we were also talking about how Mandy Moore's character, Lana, is underdeveloped. They do, I feel like she's so underdeveloped and they can get away with it because
0: Mandy Moore was a pop star. Yeah. So, like, everyone just kind of fills in the blanks. Yeah, like, they're okay, like, oh, a, we get it. Yeah, like, it's a, bl- it's a blonde pop star playing a mean girl role. Like, okay, we get it. Except, yeah. Was she a pop star at that point? Oh, okay. Let me just walk that statement back. Mandy Moore made her feature film debut in 2001 with a minor voice role in the comedy film Dr. Doolittle 2
1: before (laughs) starring
0: as Lana Thomas in the comedy film. So she
1: was a fresh
0: face. She was a fresh face. And so when she was singing, it was like, it was probably like, oh, she can sing.
1: Yeah. Very randomly placed musical number. Agreed. There is no indication that she is going to sing in this movie. And then all of a sudden she's like. Stupid, Cupid, yeah, me? <laughs> I'm confirming that I have
0: this right. Oh, oh, nope, I oh. was wrong. I was wrong. Oh. Candy came out in 1999. Oh. So she was a pop star, oh my God. but her acting career started then. But people already okay. knew
1: who she was. All right. Okay, Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense, because that's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, why would she be singing if she wasn't known to? Like, right. it's because it's just not relevant to her character. Right. And Her singing is so unimpressive. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Sorry, hey, Mandy. Sorry. <laughs> it's just not that good. Stupid <laughs> <It's> you. <too big. laughs> Tongue out. <It's> that big? <laughs> I have something to say. Mm-hmm. Another plot thing. I don't understand how... I mean, maybe it makes sense, but I don't understand why it's not a big deal in the press when Queen Clarice and Mia Mm -hmm. crash into the tour bus, not the tour bus, The the, the trolley. And the press just doesn't know or care about it. Yeah, and then with the Baker Beach blowout or whatever, like they care so much about the about like the kissing thing. Yeah, but I guess it makes more sense because she's like caught in the towel, so it's like vaguely
1: sexual. Oh, also like maybe someone called the paparazzi. I think maybe like maybe Mandy Moore called the pop I think the that, Paps. I think Mandy Moore called the Paps. Yeah, but I
0: think that it might have also been that the Paps were there. And so Mandy Moore was like, I'm going like, to mess her
1: life up. I'm going to knock over this tent. <laughs> also,
0: just, like, imagine being that jealous and knowing that that will bring you nothing Yeah, doing it anyway.
1: I swear, like, mean girls like this just don't exist. I I just, I don't. I think
0: that they exist, but not, maybe not like this. No. I've never done anything that mean, but I've seen people do really mean things before.
1: But, like, <laughs> It's just high stakes, I guess.
0: It's dramatized.
1: Yeah. In this movie, there is a lot of really funny and unnecessary ADR, which stands for Automatic Dialogue Replacement. I had it right. And, um, <laughs> like, what are some examples? We should have written them down. Oh, you mean but, in the background? Yeah. Oh, cover the tuba. Yeah.
0: And... Why don't you get in your royal carriage? and Take us, <laughs> take out, of us here. out of here. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um. Like, it's background noise. It's yeah. Like, it's like crowd noises.
1: Crowd noises that usually aren't so specifically audible. <laughs> um. But in this movie, ve- you can hear every mm-hmm. sentence. It's very my leg in spongebob <laughs> it's so funny and they didn't even bother like overlapping them no and which is usually done like normally if there's a bunch of adr sentences they would be overlapped in a way to make it sound natural but it's just like here's full <laughs> sentences.
0: Sentence, sentence sentence cover the tuba is big
1: yeah um so if you like watch it definitely because when, when you're little and and whatnot you don't hear it or care But when you're older, you do. Yes. So we said earlier that we were not offended by any of the changes
0: from the book to the movie, but we discovered that there's one that actually doesn't make any sense, which is when the Queen and Mia go on this field trip to the beach, somehow it comes up, they start talking about Mia's dad because like, of course they do. Like, what else are they going to talk about on this trip? Trip. (laughs) um, It's a long one. And Queen Clarice says that Basically, in these exact words, she's like, your father realized that his love for one person, meaning Mia's mom, or even two, meaning Mia and her mom, couldn't outweigh his love for his country. And therefore, he had to leave them to go rule. Yeah, leave his family to go rule his country. But it's just a little confusing because (laughs) I guess that they want us to extrapolate that Mia's mom was, like,
1: unfit and didn't want to be a royal.
0: What I was going to say is, like, she was, like, you're going to be a civilian with us or you're going to be royal. There was, like, an ultimatum. Yeah, that's, like, the vibe that you get kind of. And I think they actually say that in the movie, but we were too busy, like, (laughs) saying dumb things to hear it. Um. But it just, like, doesn't make sense that he would never have even met his daughter. Like, that just seems really morally wrong. Like, for someone who is supposed to be, like, so full of morals. And, like, so loved by everyone. Yeah, like, how would you never meet your daughter?
1: And just be like, yeah, it's because I love my country. Like, no, you're just a jerk. Yeah, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that. What was your, like, deep point?
0: So, okay. So when I was watching this movie, I was like, yeah, yeah, Princess Diaries, yeah. Like, it's, it's good. It's consistent. Yeah. You get this – It's, it's it, Disney. It, it Yes. Yeah. I feel like you can tell it's Disney, but so is a lot of the other stuff that we watch. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels very – it feels like eating a really good piece of white bread. Like, <laughs> it's just – it's extremely consistent. And there aren't a lot of, like, risks taken. So I was trying to think, like, okay, what can I, like, wring from this? Like – and when we were talking about Paolo being the antagonist or protagonist of this movie, I realized that i think part of what makes this movie so comforting to watch is the fact that there is no outright antagonist and the antagonistic force in the movie is just mia's own self-doubt. Yeah. And like I agree. you you know that she's going to get over it. Yeah. <laughs> like obviously she's going to get over it but she does have a lot of like really messy dips along the way mm-hmm. and i think that In the way that Mia is, like, obligated to become this princess, whether she likes it or not or whether she wants to do it or not, I think it can kind of fit into a lot of different contexts. Like, there's certain things that everyone has to do that they don't like to do, especially when you're a little kid. Yeah. Like, if it's, like, going to school and that scares you, like, you got to do what you got to do. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a job. Like, as the queen says, being a princess (laughs) is a job. Like, it's not just being, like, glamorous and having fun all the time. And I also think it's about growing up, too. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just about taking responsibility at the end of the day. Like, she even says in her little speech at the end, like, all I ever think about is myself. And I need to take this gift that's being given to me and realize that – It is a gift and that my voice can make a difference and, you know, it's all cute because Lily has a public access show that only reaches 12 people. Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said about, like, personal power and faking it till you make it, but, like, Mm -hmm. in a good way, not in a bad way. In a
1: healthy way in like, a necessary way. Yeah. That we all have to do. Yeah. I
0: think that that is kind of, like, the core of this movie. Yeah, But...
1: It's just... Um, it's just like a really sugary, sugar-coated um, kind of... Like, it's a very sugar-coated... Way there, approach. I guess.
0: I will say, though, that watching this movie has made me excited to watch the second
1: one. Yeah, me too, because when the movie was over, the little preview photo for the second one came up because we were on Disney Plus and I was like, oh my God, Chris Pine. (laughs) Yes, Audrey loves Chris Pine. (laughs) Uh, But also the second movie really is good. I I think, as I recall. we will find out. I
0: think that you're right. I think that it secretly might... Okay, I always thought the first one was better, but after watching it this time, I was kind of just like... I just wanted to watch the second one, kind of.
1: Yeah. The, The second one is her like becoming a woman kind
0: of yeah whereas this one is like her recognizing that she will have to become a woman at some point
1: yeah and it ends right apparently before her coronation but there's a she's 15 in the first movie and She's she's 21 in the second so that's a big gap so we'll see we'll see how they cover up that time jump. yeah i believe they do though i think it's in voiceover
0: yeah i think so But, yeah, if you love this movie, we love it still. It's not that we don't love it. It was just that there was a lot less to, like, remark on about it than we thought, I guess. Yeah, I think it's also just that, like, I think there maybe could be more to talk about about, like, the role of an absent parent and, like, what that plays in the life of a teenager who's, like, already awkward. But as someone who had hyper-present parents, both of them— I'm not going to try to extrapolate about that. Yeah. Because I don't know.
1: Yeah. But if
0: you can relate to that part of it, you should let us know.
1: Yeah. I I feel like people can relate to it in all different ways. Yeah, definitely. You should send us a, a message. If you can relate <laughs>
0: to it on that level, you can DM us at 2 pink that Pictures. That would be great. <laughs> and we would like to hear your thoughts. But, um, oh, I would like to say before we sign off, My favorite exchange of the movie is when Lily sees Mia after she's had her makeover and she's flipping out at her about how she has one of these on-trend backpacks. She's making Mia cry. She's like, we could hawk one of these and feed a third world
1: country. And then she goes, am I right? Am I right? (laughs) And he goes, no. (laughs) Like that was actually. They have a really good and accurate sibling relationship. They do.
0: They're twins in the book. Oh. I'm just, like, trying to bring this book in as much as possible. But anyway, we love The Princess Diaries. We love Dame Julie Andrews. I really thought that this movie – so, okay. So, normally something that we would always mention in this segment after we've watched the movie is stuff that has made the movie really dated or problematic, but there was literally none in this movie.
1: Yeah. There was none. Nothing. So, basically,
0: with a movie that has not aged like this – I think it makes it a lot more accessible to people that are kids now. So, like, I have a voice student who is in fifth grade, and we're doing voice lessons over Zoom right now. And we connected the other day, and there was this music blaring in the background. And I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm watching Princess Diaries. (laughs) And I was like, nice. (laughs) So it's a timeless movie that kids even now are enjoying. And I'm happy that we got to be the first kids in the theater watching this movie when it came out. And... um. I think that this movie will hold up in the
1: same way that Sound of Music holds up. That's such a bold claim. I
0: think, well, in the sense that, like, I think (laughs) little kids, like, I think our kids will be able to watch Princess Diaries and still totally get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot that's super time-specific, era-specific, or um, culturally specific because it's a made-up country. I don't know. There's a lot of made-up elements to it, but. And there's also very little technology in it. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we keep trying to finish and then not
0: finishing because we love this movie, but we're excited to bring you some
1: more reviews soon. We're excited to bring you the sequel, Princess Diaries 2, The Royal Engagement, plus many, many others. Yes. So we're going to do that, um,
0: but for the time being, we're peacing out. So thank you for listening, and we
1: <laughs> I love know. you. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at TupingPictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at TupingPictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show,
0: if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloia and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall.
1: We'll chat again soon. Bye. You haven't been watching movies all day.
0: It's a hard life.
1: Seriously? What have you been <laughs> What did
0: you do with your day? <laughs> sis?
1: I watched movies and talked about I it. watched
2: <laughs> History is complicated. The story of human progress is long. or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.